Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Friends, today we're talking about the season finale, episodes 15 and 16 of season 2 of The Bad Batch. We got hit by a lot today, and there's a lot to talk about. If you've not seen these, please press pause, or if you're okay with being spoiled, listen ahead, because we're going to be spoiling a lot. All that and more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. This is Matthew, your host, and I'm joined, as always, by All Things Bad Batch by Aaron McGowan. This is a bit of a sad day because it'll be our last day with Aaron uh, for regular coverage, although we're definitely going to keep bringing her back from time to time. And I think that when the Ahsoka show comes out, I would need a lot of of people to help me get anyone else into that chair because I think Aaron's going to claim the second chair for this podcast on Ahsoka, and, and rightly so. But let's talk about the Bad Batch. And Aaron, as I'm watching this, you do, you're finishing up your makeup. And I have to ask, <laughs> I was planning to have a full face of makeup on when I did this and also okay. record some TikToks. Love it. And then I just cried my eyes out, ruined all my makeup during this episode. Uh, is that why you're redoing it today? Or have you just not had a chance yet? No, I just hadn't had a chance to do it yet. I um, It hasn't sunk in. That's I'm going to be honest. Like, are we going straight for spoilers or are we going to do a quick recap first? I, I think we're going straight. We're, we are assuming that if you are still listening, uh, either you have watched it or you are okay being spoiled because you've decided you're not going to watch it. And we will give a quick recap, again, because you might be listening to this in a year when Bad Batch Season 3 is about to come out, or you might just decide the animated stuff isn't for you and you still want to listen along. Both of those are fine. But yeah, if you haven't seen, you don't want to be spoiled. There's a lot of major things that happen this episode, and we're going to be talking about them. And so I think we'll, we'll just lead with the, the, the lead, uh, text ed. Okay, well, here's my here's my thing. Yeah. It hasn't hit me or sunk in. Whether that's denial or mistrust of Filoni, because mm -hmm. Gregor was dead, too. Yep. Echo was dead, too. Yeah. It would be a little cheesy to have two of the Bad Batch be dead and then not be dead, but... I don't know. I could totally see – I don't fully understand how he would survive, but at the end of the episode when Hemlock used his goggles as leverage against um, Hunter, mm -hmm. it didn't feel – or it felt to me that it also could be a possibility that Tech ended up in a crosshair-like situation but in a much worse state. Right. And they just tucked him away and are using the Bad Batch's grief as leverage. I he mean, I still don't understand. Dead. I still don't understand how Bucky Barnes survived his fall. See? And it was very much the same kind of thing. And you're right. I think it is possible that Tech is going to be a Winter Soldier type thing or some other way that he's not dead. And I think you kind of laid out the reasons why I'd be pretty annoyed if it was. Because I kind of I – like, I sort of felt that possibility – and, and to be honest, I mean, there's a lot of things that hit me emotionally about this episode. The tech death, I had to kind of convince myself to, like, <sighs> I th I know that there's some people who love the character so much and would hate that he, if he is dead. Mm -hmm. And I definitely understand where that's coming from. Yeah. I don't like that he, I think having a character death is not the worst thing in the world. Um, I Paul, who's hopefully going to come on for kind of a wrap-up episode with us. 
I'm guessing may feel very differently. And uh, he may actually not come on because of this death. I'm not sure yet. Okay. But I think I think there is some emotional power in the idea that, like, yes, like, remind us that people can die in war. But if you're going to make us go through this, and if we're going if we go through all of that emotional pain and watch them all go through the emotional pain, and then have him not be dead, which is not only such a cliche in stories in general, but as you said, is a total cliche in the Bad Batch itself by now, in the clones itself. I. I think that'd be bad writing, and I'd, I'd not be happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you're totally right. Mm-hmm. I'm refusing to accept that. That's fair. Because That's fair. my heart can't take it. But, yeah. um... I feel like if they did do something like that, I wouldn't want him back next season, or mm-hmm. the season after that. Like... If you're going to do it, pull an echo and make yeah. them recover from it. Make everyone have their grief. Make us all sit with our grief. Yeah. And then I obviously want to see him back because I love tech. I'm such a tech stan. But mm-hmm. I do think he probably is dead, which is yeah. hard for me. I said I haven't cried about it yet, but now I'm crying about it. But um, I, I feel so sorry. I feel like now I'm the reason you're crying. No, it's just like it's because... It's okay. I didn't put my mascara on yet. Um, there we go. But, like, when I'm watching it by myself, it's just all internal. Like, I'm not thinking it over too hard. I'm writing down quotes and I'm writing down plot points. And then just, like, saying it out loud and, like, having the conversation of, like, yeah, like, in my own yeah. head, I could just sit in that denial. But, like, he is probably gone, which really sucks. And it really makes sense why we had so much tech character growth throughout this season it makes total sense everyone was wondering like why tech why is this text time why not echo well it's because we were gonna lose him and i kind of hate that when we finally get a clone enjoying like a little relationship like him and fee are no by no means together you know Mm-hmm. But they have like a special friendship. They care for one another. And yeah, the last thing she said to him was, see around brown eyes. Yeah. And it just sucks that it feels. Yeah. I feel like Disney's still shying away from actually having clones in relationships. Mm-hmm. And this was a very painful way to do that. It really was. And. Sorry, now I'm choked up. It's weird because that last interaction with Fee, he's clearly so shy and he's so, like, he doesn't take the step that I kind of, I kind of thought this might be the time that he takes the step. And, and here's what I hate is that you're right, is that, because again, this feels like a cliche. I, I would have totally I love all of these characters. They're they're some of my favorite characters in Star Wars. And seeing any character die is heart-wrenching. And Paul always kind of, you know, thinks I'm weird that I like seeing character death. But I do think stakes are important. And – but I hate the cliche of if you build a character up, and especially if you give a character a 
we're just about to cross that line and have a real relationship, that almost always means they're about to die. And yeah, I think that's the other – for me, it wasn't denial. It was almost more anger because it was like, did you really just do that Yeah, overdone, cliched, kind of boring writing technique? Uh, like – as much as I love all of them, imagine if we had had all of that with, with tech, but then it was Wrecker who died or it was Hunter who died. Like any of them, oh it would God. be devastating. Yeah. It would be heartbreaking. But then at least we wouldn't have had this like – I mean to me, like having tech go back and connect with Fee where it's his grief over losing his brother that allows him to make a breakthrough with her. Like – and what I, was, what I was saying before was – I was surprised that he didn't have any kind of – that there wasn't like some moment between him and Fee where they went a little step further. And then I realized maybe it's because that would have made it so obvious that he was about to die. Yeah. And I hate that. Like I just – I hate – to me, this is the problem with a cliche or with a trope is that when it is so overdone that we just get – you can't do A and B without people thinking it's going to be C. Yeah. So please stop doing that. Stop having yeah. C follow A and B. Yeah. Um, and talking more about just like their last interaction, I wrote down several quotes from it. But so Omega, Fee's like, oh, where are you guys off to? Omega's like, it's a covert mission. And Fee's mm-hmm. like, okay, like you better tell me about it when you get back. And yeah. Omega's like, yeah, for sure. Like, see you later. And runs onto the ship. And then Fee goes up to tech as he's like checking things on the ship. She's like, so you're just going to leave without saying goodbye? He goes, that is correct. Did you require a briefing? (laughs) Just there's a pause. She goes, you know, when two friends are talking, it's called a conversation. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after, I I don't think he says anything about that. And then she goes, don't go run off with some other pirate or smuggler. And he's like, oh, no, don't worry about it. We won't run into any. Yeah. And she looks at him and goes... That's not exactly what I was getting at. And even though he didn't take, like, what we would consider, like, a step, there wasn't any, like, acknowledgement acknowledgement. He, like, Mm -hmm. he paused and, like, turned to her and I think did have an understanding of what she was saying. Yeah. And did have an understanding of, like, oh, like, I do care about this person and they care about me just as much. And now I'm understanding why it's important to, like, say goodbye to people or, like, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he kind of just, like, looks at her and then she chuckles and goes, see you around, brown eyes. Yeah. And there was something about – I want to talk a lot about Sid and I'm not going to jump us into that. But just the fact that she – I hadn't even thought about the fact, but that two different people have nicknames for him that are both basically based on his eyes or what he wears on his eyes because she calls him brown eyes and Sid calls him goggles. Yeah. And like Sid has nicknames for all of them and hers are meant to be a little bit kind of like, you know, like a little bit teasing. Yeah. Poking fun in a little bit of a kind of derogatory way, but also in a a familiar way. But like, honestly, it was that it was it was Sid and Wrecker, you know, kind of her giving him a free drink over 
tech and referring to goggles was i think that's what broke me that's when i because yeah at first i had that same like it can't be real no right he's gonna be back this episode um yeah and sid doing that oh it just hit so hard no that just like honestly i wish we could bleep things out because f sid like we all saw it coming we all knew but like they're in this emergency situation. They're all injured. They're fleeing. Omega's in and out of consciousness. They, like, you hear them kind of say in the background, like, we got to get to Ord Mantel. Like, we know it's close by and she needs immediate medical attention. Right. And so even though they were kind of done with Sid, they're like, okay, this can probably be a safe haven for us for, like, three days. For, like, however long. One afternoon. To mourn our friend before we can get to our home. Because they've now decided Pabu's going to be their home. And Sid was, like, down about Tech's death. But I just read it as guilty. Because she had already... Well, actually, I don't know. I don't know if she turned them in. It would have have to been after they came to her and she already knew tech was dead that she turned them in so that's major um yeah i I don't think this is cleanly but i don't think this is a lando situation where she thought it wasn't as bad as it wounds up turning out to be i think it's they get there she has all of her emotions about tech but also just then turns them in and yeah. I, I think the fact that it all happened so fast, as you said, Ord Mantel is not very far. The Empire knows that they need, you know, they may need medical care for, for some of them who are hurt. Um, and I think the cynical approach would be to say that she's just faking it, that she doesn't want to give anything away. And so the free drink and the acting kind of sad is her way of putting them at ease so that they can be captured. I, I don't think so, though. I think – yeah. I think Sid has been presented to us as a very complex character who is – she's not evil. She is self-interested and self-interested in a very – you know, Morally gray. Morally gray or even just morally like – but that's the thing is that I think that like we see a lot of characters like that. We see a lot of characters and then a lot of the time in Rebels especially but also in Bad Batch, the key was to – Get the people who are self-interested to see their self-interest is helping you. And yeah, I uh, I have the power to beep things out. So f- Sid, <laughs> um, I will happily say that, yeah. and you can say it as well. Um, I'm mad at her. I I think she it's awful what she does, but I think it's entirely in character, and I don't think it. To then take it and say, oh, all the nice things she ever did or all the character moments we had with her are all false, I don't think that's true. I think this is – she – A, I mean she feels betrayed by them. I think wrongly so, but I think that's how she, feel, she feels. I think also she may have had some – like if ever there's a moment where you think, well, no, I really should just do what the Empire says because going against them is idiocy – you watch the Bad Batch try to go against them, and one of them died, and one of them was broken, and they failed. And I hate I hate this because it sounds like I'm defending Sid, and I don't mean that at all. Yeah. But I, I think I can completely understand why Sid made that decision, and that from her point of view, it is the right decision to make, even if yeah. I hate it and totally disagree. Yeah. 
I mean, I saw it coming. Like, I knew she was going to do that in one way, shape, or form, but the way it actually played out was so much worse than I had imagined. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the way I kind of read the scene with Wrecker is, like, she is feeling... Like, of course she's feeling grief. She's sad for them. She knows they're sad about tech. But I kind of see it as, like, she's like, oh, like, drinks on the house. Because she's like, like, crap, I just turned you in and your friend dead is, like, dead. Like, I feel so guilty. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like it's out of guilt that she's like, here, drinks on the house. And Wrecker just says, it won't help. Yeah. I think you might be right. I think that well could be a part of it. I think I think she is genuinely sad, and I think she probably also feels some guilt about what she knows is coming. Um, yeah, like, I think... I think she almost immediately regrets it, but, like, isn't willing to go back on it in any way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'd be pretty upset if we get redemption for her in the past. Or in the future, I mean. Yeah. At this I, moment, I, think, I am. I think, I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. I think... Because, yeah, it's not even – I don't think she's going to regret it because I think she's the sort of person who would say it's not – kind of like what Lando does. But Lando does get a redemption and I don't think she'll go in this direction. You know, she'll say, I didn't have a choice. I, mm-hmm. I, I had to. And because I, I think she'll kind of excuse herself for that responsibility and she'll she'll regret that it had to happen this way. And she'll regret – she'll be like, Mate, well, you know, if you guys had just listened to me and just kept doing jobs for me instead of trying to be heroes, this wouldn't have happened this way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's oh boy. Um, I'm just also going to give my normal rant. I won't say anything about what happens in the episode. Mandalorian this week is a phenomenal episode as well, but has a f- fundamentally different tone. And I'm again just I oh I, I want to go back and rewatch Mandalorian in like three days because I just wasn't in the right headspace to talk about it because I was still so broken up over everything that happened in this episode. Yeah. Um, I realize we just jumped right in and didn't actually give a plot summary. Um, yeah, let's roll back to that. <laughs> yeah, you want to go ahead and uh, see what you can do there? Um, sure. Um, and we can be very brief and just kind of... It, it's two episodes, but basically one arc, so... Yeah. Oh, wait. I have something to say back about tech. Go for it. And how we were talking about if he were still alive, it cheapens the sacrifice and the emotions that we are currently feeling. Mm-hmm. And it just really reminded me like yeah i came with the argument of gregor and echo survived but also hard case didn't if you remember him from the umbara um Mm -hmm. episode arc he's the one who it was him and fives and jesse flew up to the like main supply ship and they had to destroy it but there was Mm -hmm. a shield ray they couldn't do it and hard case he stayed walked behind. in there, stayed behind, and threw the bomb into it himself. And he said, live to fight another day. Yeah. And I... Oh. Sorry, folks. I'm not going to edit this stuff out. It's just... <laughs> this is hard. Uh, and I, 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 as much as I'm complaining about some parts of it, it's, it, it's also a sign of what good storytelling it is, even though I think some of it's kind of manipulative. Um, but, like... In some ways, I think it's a necessary part of the Bad Batch's evolution. Because if we go back to earlier in the season, when Echo left, and I I forget if this was the episode you weren't on for. Were, were you there the episode where we talked about how upset um, 
Omega was that Echo was left. And yeah, okay, you yeah. weren't on that episode. Yep. Um, and you know, one thing we talked about was that, or that I talked about, I, don't know, I think other folks agree with me, I don't know, but um, that the that most of the clones had gone through loss by this point. They had gone through, you know, there, you know, you started with a unit and you didn't end with that unit most of the time because people in your unit died. It's combat, it's war. Yeah. And the Bad Batch hadn't gone through that. They had stayed pretty much a united group. The the yeah, Jedi's they Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, their first loss was crosshair, and that wasn't even a death, that was a betrayal. Right, exactly. So and it, Yeah, so it's it's just And I don't I don't agree with the idea that like you have to have someone die in writing to have I don't I don't there's lots of other ways to do that. And I'm not saying you had to have someone die, but I think having someone in the group die is going to fundamentally change the dynamic and it's going to give them all an understanding of loss and of change in a way that, that they hadn't really grasped. Mm-hmm. That, that, yeah, because I think you're right. As you're kind of saying, all the other clones have dealt with this. Rex has had people die. Wolf has had people die. All the clones, uh, hard case died. Um, all the clones have had people and, and some get to die like big noble I'm doing a great thing deaths. Others just get shot because there's lots and lots of bolts. Oh. And even if the the go for it. What what, what Sorry, emotional just, button did I hit now? <laughs> I've been watching the Clone Wars with my brother and we just watched the Umbara arc and like the episode where um Pong Krell sends the five oh first versus the two hundred and twelfth and makes them attack each other, telling them that the other team is Umbarans in Republic gear. And Rex figures out what's happening. And they find the commander, and it's Waxer. Oh, God, yeah. One of my favorite clones. He was, like, in that episode, um, Innocence of Ryloth, where it was Waxer and Boyle. Um, and they kind of rescued this little Twi'lek girl. But she taught them so much about how to just mm-hmm. treat other people and how to, like, trust and all this stuff. It was just a really beautiful story. And to have him, like, like all we saw is his helmet comes off. Rex asks who orders him. He says it was Pong Krell. Like, he told us. Um, Hold on. I wrote this down. Give me just a moment. We're going to pause this. Thank you. And I'll go back and re-say it. decision it's just the oh yeah okay never mind i didn't write down the exact quote (laughs) it's okay anyways but waxer's death was just so hard for me because like like you said it's just a random death he was shot by another clone and we see him um, Rex takes off his helmet and is like, hey, who ordered this? He says it was General Krell. And he goes, it was our own men. Like, we were fighting each other. And he takes this breath and just one tear slips down his face and he's gone. And like, yeah. now I'm just rehashing all the clones that have made me cry. So <laughs> we can get back to the Bad Batch. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry this became Bad Batch therapy, but I hope yeah. this is helpful for you and I hope this is helpful for others because it's it's cathartic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to say um, 
there is kind of, you had mentioned how this is different for the batch. They haven't experienced loss or change in this same way. And that's such a painful but beautiful throwback to the conversations Tech had with Omega about change and about how it's a part of life after Echo left. Like, it's just, looking back, it's like almost foreshadowing his death. Like, it's like he's prepping them for his death without knowing. Yeah. Um. And I think it says something about, like, on the one hand, I don't think there's... I'm just going to give... They go to try and rescue... They go and try (laughs) to capture somebody who they think is going to have information about how to get to Crosshair. Yep. And during the course of the events, it's, you know, fight, fight, fight. There's a great fight scene. It's a long, drawn-out thing. Saw Guerrero was there. Oh, yeah. Saw Guerrero was there, which we should talk about. She was actually a problem. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? I'm I'm going to back that up. All right. Well, Aaron, can can you let me try one more time? Can you uh, give us a plot? Summary? Okay, I'm going to try. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, Echo's there. They're like, we need to go. Like, I have a Rex and I like heard from a source that Doctor Hemlock is going to be at this location, so we can go and put a like tracking beacon on his ship. Like, I believe I'm pretty sure that that was their goal of going to yeah. that planet. And so they take kind of this little like train gondola car mm-hmm. to the main base and then Omega and Wrecker split off to go um plant the tracker on Hemlock's ship and then Echo Tech and Hunter are kind of like surveying like seeing what's up looking at security and all that good stuff and that's when like Tech is like he's looking at the security cameras and they had only shut one down for 30 seconds because they knew that it would, like, cause alarms. But he's looking around and he's like, there's multiple cameras resetting all across this facility. And he's like, we need to leave now. Like, I don't like it. We need to leave. And that's when Hunter finds a bomb that was planted by Saw. And so then we find out Saw Guerrero's there. And I liked this version of Saw that we saw. Well, that's a tongue twister. But I know this has been, like, a complaint and back and forth, but just, like, the difference between Saw Gerrera in The Clone Wars and then when we saw him as Forrest Whitaker in mm-hmm. Rogue One, there just is this huge age gap happening. And so I liked seeing a sort of, like, late 30s Saw. Yeah. Where he still, you know, looked pretty young, but, like, was clearly aging. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, back to the plot. So, Saw is trying to blow up everything and just kill all the Imperials there. Hunter's like, no, we need to, like, let them leave so we can track them and go save these clones that are being tested on. And Saw's like, hey, sacrifice is a war. Like, I'd rather take these people out than bother with these clones. And Hunter's like, or Tech says something about, they're just going to refill those positions immediately. And Saw's so like, yeah. well, maybe, but – and then in their time of argument, they get they get found out. Saw gets injured, and instead of finishing planting their thermal detonators in the main building, which would have killed all the Imperial officers, they leave instead, him and his people, which also him and his people were dressed up as stormtroopers. And I just want to know why the Bad Batch never does that type of stuff. Like, mm. you guys are literally clones. Like – if they can do it, you can do it. This would make your life so much easier. 
I I can see though there's so much attachment to their uniforms and so much rejection of those. Like it it they never really were one for pro like can you imagine convincing well first of all, I don't think they make a stormtrooper uniform that Wrecker can fit in. That's a great point. <laughs> um but also just they're so they're not stealth. Like they use a little yeah. bit of stealth and Hunter does, but anyway, but cute I more see like your a point. Team. It is definitely I think if you were min-maxing them, you would have them use that ability. It is yeah. for dumb reasons that they don't use that ability, but it's reasons that are also very understandable, I think. Exactly. But anyway, go on. Anyways, so the bombs start going off. They are on their train car back towards the Marauder. The bombs shut down the power on the train car. Tech is like, okay, I can get it up and running, but I'm going to have to go onto the train, like the track itself. I'm calling it a train, but the track's on top. And the cars hang yeah. underneath. So whatever yeah, that would be considered. Yeah. It's – I mean it, it's we, it's very much like what we saw in Solo. Um, yeah. I think in at least one version of the Hunger Games, I think they have something like that. Um, yeah. It, it, it's a it's a common kind of sci-fi-y kind of train. Yeah, exactly. So Tech's like, I can do it. I just need to get up on the track and then crawl to this like post where they have electronics and like hack in and I'll get the power back up. And while he's doing this, um, uh, Tarkin calls in an airstrike. And one of the other Imperial officers, which one of them there is Krennic, and they ask him about um, his project Stardust. So that was a cool little Easter egg they threw in there. But yep. um, Tarkin's like, okay, send in an airstrike, like take him out. But there's two carts with the Bad Batch, and there's two carts right next to it with stormtroopers in it. <laughs> And one of the Imperial officers is like, oh, that'll kill our own men. And Tarkin's <clears> like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, airstrike now. And so then these bombers, not bombers, but these, like, early TIE fighters kind of come in and are shooting around um, while Tech's trying to get this done. Uh, we do see Hunter actually shoot out the engine of one of them. So it was cool to see someone take down a fighter with a pistol. I was like, okay, King. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then the fighters do shoot the kind of train track and the car, the second car that the Bad Batch is in starts to fall off and Tech is thrown from the train track down, starts to fall, puts his grappling hook up and is like hanging on to the cart that's already falling off. <clears throat> right. So he starts climbing up. Wrecker's like, hurry up. He's like, I'm climbing as fast as I can. And Hunter's like, Wrecker, get him up. Like, right now. And then it starts to fall more, and it's dragging down the second cart. Tech sees this, understands this, realizes if they stay to save him, they're all going to fall. Right, because that, that first tra car is pulling down the whole thing. Yes. Yeah, so um, let's see. He sees what's going to happen if they stay to help him. And he kind of says... There's no time, Wrecker. Plan 99. And Wrecker goes, don't you do it, Tech. And then Tech shoots out the support that so that the two carts will separate and he will fall. And mm -hmm. what I didn't notice the first time, but I saw the second time. Oh, I skipped an important quote. He says, don't you do it, Tech. Tech goes, when have we ever followed orders? Yeah. And then he shoots out that um, supporting beam. And Wrecker actually grabs that second cart and holds it just for a second or two. 
mm-hmm. and then it falls out of his grasp because he's he's strong, but he can't do all that, you know? Yeah. And he just like, oh, the most heartbreaking scream. Just no. And Omega just goes tech. And as they fall, their cart hops back onto the track and takes off. Starts going so fast. They have no control over the power. It's just flying. Mm-hmm. And so Omega's like screaming for tech, saying like, we need to go back. We need to go back. And Hunter's like holding her back. Um, Their car continues at a frightening speed until they crash into something. The next thing we see is Omega kind of wakes up at this crash site. She's clearly injured, kind of wandering around. And she was like, tech? Like looking for him. And then she kind of winces and collapses. And then we see her kind of like POV as she's in and out of consciousness as the Batch, well, as Echo, Hunter, and Wrecker escape with her. And then, as we said at the start of the episode, they go to Ord Mantel. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they go to Ord Mantel. Sid offers some comfort and a drink. We've already talked about this, though, so it's not really comfort. Yep. And I hate Sid. And then it's revealed that she turned them in. So, Echo's back on the Marauder, mourning peacefully by himself. I, Go ahead. I just need to say one more thing about Wrecker. You talked about how he's strong enough that he does hold on to that cart for a second. Mm-hmm. It may be that I just missaw this, but I would swear that what I saw was he stands up, he gets hit by a stun gun wave, and then he takes another few steps and says another word or two before we cut away. And, like, it seemed to me that part of what we're saying was that, like, it took more than just a single stun shot to take him down. Which, again, to me, was like a, like, this is just how, like, enraged he is in this moment, but also just a statement to just, like, it's easy to think of Wrecker as just kind of a big child and a little ridiculous. And we get that, like, he's like, oh, I can't blow everything up. But also, like, this is just how badass this man is. Yeah, exactly. When he's at the... At Sid's um, bar or whatever, and the mm-hmm. commandos come in. He, as you said, gets stunned and then does his whole like roar, yeah. and then like goes after them. And then we hear him like grunting or whatever. Hunter and Omega are in the other room. They know something's wrong. Hunter peeks around the corner, sees commandos, shoots out the door lock so that it closes them in. And he tells Omega and AZ, go into the mines. We saw the mines in season one. Go into the mines, find the Marauder, get to Echo, and get out of here. Like, you got to go. And she's, like, kind of like, no, no, like, I don't want to do it. Um, And then Hunter eventually gets captured as well. Um, And Hemlock is escorting Hunter and Wrecker back to his ship. Omega decides not to find Echo and instead to try to give Echo time to do something by distracting Hemlock and the Commandos so that they can't get Wrecker and Hunter onto his ship. It goes very poorly because Omega shoots at them twice and then Hemlock just manipulates her and keeps her talking until a Commando can drop down behind her and stun her. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so many things to say about this, but we're just doing a quick overview. Um, yep. And then – oh, yeah. So, basically, they get Omega. Then Echo comes around the corner in a walker and starts shooting at them. 
So then Wrecker's able to bust out of his binders, pulls Hunters off, and they kind of fight back. So now Echo, Wrecker, and Hunter are free and kind of chasing after Hemlock, saying, like, we can't let them take off. Like, we have to get her back. Like, can't let that ship take off. And basically right after he says it, after Hunter says it, they see the ship rising and leaving. And it's like, you were just too late anyways. There was nothing you could have done at this point. Yeah. And then we find them on the Marauder, um, all just sitting, heartbroken. Yeah. Tex and Omega, you know, what do they do? And they're just sitting there. And... um. What was it? They're kind of sitting there in, in their grief. Wrecker says, oh, Echo mentions there's no way to track his ship. We don't know where they've gone. Mm-hmm. Wrecker says he could have taken Omega anywhere. And Hunter, we see him look at her like room, the little gunner's men. That's her room. And her Lula, which is Wrecker's Lula. And he just very calm, cold, and determined, says, we are going to get her back, and we don't stop searching until we do. Yeah. And that's the last that we see of the Batch in this episode. Cuts to Omega being brought to Nala Say. She's kind of like, yo, Nala Say, what's up? I thought you were dead, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, like, Hemlock tells um, one of his medical assistants, bring her to Emery which is the assistant we've talked about in the past right. who was doing um, experiments on crosshair. So they take Omega away and then Hemlock um, threatens Nala and is like, yeah, your prime minister mentioned that you cared about this clone. So you are going to either, if you refuse to do our like work or if you fail, Omega will suffer the consequences. Right. And Kaminoans don't have much as far as facial expressions, but we can tell Nala Say is very, like, afraid of this idea. Yeah. Th- this is clearly worse to her than, like, just her being tortured or killed. Exactly. So they were exactly right to go get Omega. That is the perfect right. way to manipulate her. Um, anyways, then we cut back to Omega inside. She sees crosshair. She sees a ton of clones on tables strapped down all seemingly unconscious. She then sees Crosshair, runs over to him, tries to wake him up, tries to wake him up. Emery comes up behind her, and she's like, what did you do to him? Like, what did you do to Crosshair? And, ugh, I hate Emery. She goes, oh, he's recovering. I tried to warn warn him of the consequences if he didn't, like, if he Mm. didn't cooperate. So it's like you're saying he's recovering, as in you're still talking about the recovery time from when he was on that ice moon. But no, he's recovering from the torture and damage you did to him because he disobeyed you. Right. So that was just so cold to me. And then Omega asks to see Nala say. Emery says, it's funny you trust the Kaminoan and not me. Omega says, I don't know you. Why would I trust you? Emery takes off her goggles. We see her face shape a little better. She leans down. And suddenly I notice she has a New Zealand accent. As she says to Omega, we're sisters. Smash cut to credits. Yep. There's only one thing I'll mention. And because it's, I think, one of the more controversial parts and something we should definitely talk about, which Mm -hmm. is that 
after Tech has died, but before they get to Sid, when they're trying to comfort Omega, first AZI shows up, which is just kind of wonderful. Um, the, he's the medical little medical droid. Yeah, yeah, who yeah. We saw Sorry. a lot who helped um, during the whole like you know fives discovering uh, the, the chip plot and all that, and who helped a little bit in the very start of season one of the Bad Batch. Uh, and and as part of it. Hunter basically comes to decide that maybe it's time to stop, that it's time to stop, that we've been soldiers for a while. And, and what he actually says was, the galaxy has changed and so have we. We're going to stop being soldiers. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I forget the exact wording what he says, but basically the galaxy has changed and so are we. That's the exact wording. And that, that we're going to stop being soldiers. And he, he's basically saying that that tech sacrifice made it possible. Yeah. But that they're not going to keep going after Crosshair, that they're going to try and settle down on Pabu. Yeah. And that's something that's caused a lot of debate, and we'll get to that. But I think – and it's really important to mention those part of the summary because the the part of the thing that raises eyebrows for a lot of people is how different that – he's like, well, we could keep going after Crosshair, but no, we're not going to. And then when it's Omega who's taken, he's like, as you said, it's just, you know, he goes full on Liam Neeson at this point. Yes. Like he has a certain set of skills and nothing is going to stop him from, mm-hmm. from getting her back. Yeah. I do have some of the quotes written down from that period of conversation. Go for it. Um, So Omega kind of wakes up on the Marauder. She doesn't understand what's happening. Record goes, oh, you're okay. Don't scare us like that again. He's clearly very worried, very concerned. Um, And then Omega's like, oh, like, I don't remember. We were on the cart. And then like, tech, like tech, where's tech? And Hunter kind of like, puts a hand on her shoulder or reaches for her and says, Tech didn't make it. And she slaps him away. Mm-hmm. And she goes, we have to go back. What if he's hurt? He he needs us. Like, tell him, Wrecker. Like, tell him we need to go back. And Hunter goes, Omega. And she again pushes him away. No, Tech's not gone. He He can't be. And then she just starts to cry. And then Wrecker goes, I know, kid. And then he starts to cry and kind of just wipes a tear and, like, leaves. Because I think he doesn't want her to see that necessarily. But it's like, I can't imagine the guilt that is going to rack him through the next season over Mm -hmm. the fact of, like, Hunter told him to get Tech up. He could have maybe held that cart longer. Like, these are all the things that's going to happen internally for Wrecker in the next season. Um... Anyway, so after he says, I know, kid, he kind of steps away. Omega goes, why did Tech do that? Why didn't he let us save him? And Hunter said, he knew we were out of time. Tech put the squad ahead of himself. He made a sacrifice. And we're not going to waste it. Mm -hmm. Like you said before, the galaxy has changed and so are we. We're done with soldiering. Wrecker and I think Pabu is a good place to stay and settle, if that's something you would like. And yeah. Omega kind of gives a little nod, and they're like, "Okay." And like, honestly, that was another one of the parts where I started crying really hard because a because it, it, that's also where it felt like if Tech wasn't going to be dead, I felt like they would show us this episode, and that to me felt like they were saying not just to Omega but to the audience, like, "No, he really is gone." Yeah, and. For Hunter to get to the point of accepting that, no, it is time to stop being soldiers and settle down, 
I, here's here's maybe where we're going to get a lot of flack or I'm going to get a lot of flack. And, and if people want to come at me in the, in the comments, please do. We love the discussion. Although again, you can always keep it respectful and friendly. Mm -hmm. But I think he is a soldier. I think he is a warrior. I think he is the bravest, most incredible, all the adjectives you want to put on him. And he is seeing that the empire is getting worse and that the universe is getting worse and that people need to step up. And I am 100% in favor of him saying – We've done our part. We're going to step down. You know, yeah. I think that it is he – I think part of tech dying also kind of – there's a little bit of a sense of invincibility that they have. Of like, no, we can always do it. We can always yeah. – no matter how long the odds are, we'll always do it. And here, it's not even like they almost rec re rescued Crosshair and just barely failed. They were in like step one of a five-step plan to be able to get to Crosshair and even that failed. Yeah. And – after all of these last two seasons of always being on the run and always putting Omega in danger and all of this, for him to say, no, other people can fight this fight. You know, he saw Saw. He saw these other groups. He knows yeah. that people are fighting. And especially like one of the things – I'm kind of bouncing around here a little bit. I apologize. But one of the things I thought was so powerful in that scene with Saw was that you realized they were fighting two different fights. Yeah. Hunter and his group were fighting to get back their particular friends, Crosshair and the other clones. Yes. Saul was fighting the Empire. Yes. And that's a fight that I think Hunter just doesn't want to be a part of. And I – as much as you always want all people to help fight all fights, that you can't do that. People need to be able to say, I did my part. I'm stepping back. I'm letting someone else do it. Um, yeah. So that's where I am. What, what was your – and I, I get that by the end that, that at that point, the writer is in a hard position because them all deciding to just hang out on Pabu and not fight – is a great end to their story, but it doesn't give you the season three that they yeah. want. Yeah. Um, so I get why they then had to be like, nope, actually you can't do that because Omega's rescued, is captured. But what was your take on um, Hunter making that decision? I mean, yeah, like you said, like he's a soldier first. He's a warrior. That's all he's ever been, like fighting the fight. And I think the thing that's changing that is just – Omega. And, like, the thing that's changed in him is becoming a father. Like... Yeah. It's when... I think they're having a standoff in Sid's bar between Hemlock, the commandos, and Hunter, where they have Wrecker captured, but Hunter's still holding up his blaster. And he's like, Omega's not going anywhere with you. And Hemlock goes, who knew clones were so paternal? Yeah. Fascinating. Such an interesting line. And so I don't remember exactly where I was going because I had a better formed thought when you were talking, but it kind of ran away from me. But basically, <laughs> I think it's just like, yeah, that loss for Hunter was like, no, like this is my family. Mm -hmm. I now am a father and this is what matters. Yeah. Like, yes, the world is crumbling. But like you said, like Saw can deal with that. Rex can yeah. deal with that. And um, Danielle, who's been a friend of the podcast, she's been on a couple times, written in the Star Wars on Tic Tac, uh, written in the Star – written in the SW on Tic Tac, Tic Tac. Uh, her information will be in the show notes and she's been in recent episodes. She's been making some great points about how, you know, Crosshair has betrayed the group on numerous occasions and has – and they tried to rescue him, has turned his back on them. And while you understand why Hunter wanted to try again – I don't feel like it's giving up on him to decide because I think I think it's more realistic. Like we're probably not going to get him. 
we honestly don't know if he's going to get that. Uh, the, I don't know if it was explicit, but that's a point that Danielle has been making really well. And so I'm kind of quoting her and want to give her that credit. Yeah. Um, because I, I think that there's some perspective of, no, 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 why wouldn't he do that for Crosshair? A, I do think that there's a different reaction to a child than to a sibling, especially when your sibling is a former is a fellow soldier. Yeah. And there's an irony there in that by the, this time, there's no question that Omega's going with them on the missions, you know? Mm-hmm. And Hunter at one point, like, has her do a specific part of the mission because none of the rest of them can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, she's their child. And I think it it hurts me, but it makes sense to me that he would be willing to say, I wish we could rescue Crosshair. I don't think we can. And I think we're all going to get killed if we keep trying. Let's let's step back. But that when Omega is taken, you know, if anything else, he wanted to be on Pabu for her. Him and Wrecker can't be on Pabu. They're, yeah. what, what are they going to do with themselves? They're just going to be thinking about all the things they've lost. So yeah. it's it's tragic that they get that taken away from them, but it, it totally makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. What do you think about seeing Saw? I mean, Actually, you, know, you you talked about that a good yeah, deal. Yeah, like let I me, said let me before, phrase, I kind of liked. Let, can, let me phrase that again. Go ahead. So we brought up Saw a good deal. Is there anything else about him we wanted to say though? Um, I mean, not really. It's classic Saw. It's classic yeah. Saw. Kind of edging on terrorism versus rebellion, doing kind of short-sighted but destructive things, and he has his little squad. I will say, like, <laughs> I wrote in my notes, like, where was this? I said, like, why doesn't the Bad Batch ever dress up as Stormies? And then I said, Saw knows what's up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His people are like, to do that. Yeah, it's like, they just are better with stealth and all that good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. I need someone to give me – maybe it would be just watch order, but I prefer it if someone like actually stitched this together as a, as like a three-hour movie or whatever. But like the clone – basically give us every instance of Saw in yeah. canon. You know, starting yeah. with the Clone Wars and then probably this comes right after the Clone Wars and then Andor and then Rebels and then Rogue One. You know, because I think – They've been very consistent in showing his evolution, and this is kind of a middle point, but it, it fits with where we know he winds up. Yeah. I would say give it two weeks and it will be on YouTube because I recently watched a compilation of every single time Jesse was on screen, and that's just one clone in the 501st. That's so awesome. I'm pretty sure that they would have something similar for Saw if we just give it a little time. Mm-hmm. If not, the internet will disappoint me, I guess. Yeah, that's um, fair. Did you have anything, big points to cover, talk about? I think that was all with Saw. Like I said, I just I, I liked the sort of counterpoint of like fighting against the Empire versus fighting for your friends. And it, it, it a little bit goes back to that Rose Tico line of like, we don't fight what we hate. We, we fight to defend what we love. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I, I, I don't totally agree with Rose on that. I think that there's value in both. But I think it just sort of shows that like they're fighting a different kind of war at this point. And it's not – and like – Rebels, I think, did an interesting job of showing, like, that you had this group that was dedicated to fighting the Empire, yep. and then others who were dedicated to rescuing Lethal or to fleeing, you know, their particular little planet, or not little, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that was important. Um, tech and, like, his decision, I think we've talked about a lot. Um, it makes total sense. Um, talking just about the Empire and the like, um, 
at one point Hemlock talks about like the the cloning is going to take us towards an enlightened society, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because I think until now there's been some thought that perhaps all we're really going for is setting up the pieces to bring back Palpatine, uh, as happens yeah. in Rise. Anyway, I'm I'm. I hate that plot point, but yeah. it is the plot point, and I think we're very clear it's that we're doing that. They're going to try to make it better, like, retroactively, you know? You know, and I, I know this is heresy to people who grew up on those movies. I think the Clone Wars make the prequels much better. And I agree. And to some extent, I think I think if these movies are going to do that with the sequels, I think that's going to really, really be awesome, too. Yeah. Um, and I think all of these shows have been, have been going in that direction. If anyone thinks mm-hmm. this is new... But I just pointed out because I think the Enlightened Society line shows that it's not just that, though. We're going into full-on, like, genetic engineering. We're going into yeah. full-on, like, uh, um, you know. It's giving, like, Aryan perfection. Yeah, eugenics is the word yeah. I was looking for. Oh, there yeah. we go, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, Dr. Hemlock, like, he looks straight out of a, like, you know, the doctor in a, like, Nazi movie, you know, or not, not like, you know, in a, like, 1950s, like, we're going after the yeah. Nazis and here's the mad scientist or, like, you know, some doctor who would work with Red Skull in, in the Marvel right. movies or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sid, we kind of talked about a little bit. Um, yeah, what – let's talk about that at the end. So what do you think of uh, her being the sister? Where Where's that coming from? Um – that surprised the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually, so I watched them the first time around. I was actually at the gym, blow drying my hair. Yep. And so then I watched the last like five minutes of the episode as I was driving home. And so I'm just like driving home and I hear just like, I'm your sister. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like that, what? Like that came out of nowhere for me. Like I think I it need did to for say this people. podcast does not this podcast does not support watching while you drive. You yeah, shouldn't have done that. Please I safe know. driving. No one sue us. Uh, go on. <laughs> yeah, nobody do that, please. <laughs> I I will be the death of myself, and I can mm-hmm. blame only me. Um, please don't be <laughs> like me. Um, anyways, um, yeah, that just really took me by surprise. Yeah, I'm. I'm really curious where they're going with it. Um, you know, I, one thing I think that it is I, – I think this is decidedly not and I'll be very curi- – I'll be kind of annoyed if they go this direction. Mm-hmm. In the Padme novels that I'm always talking about, uh, Queen's Hope, Queen's Shadow, etc., we are introduced to a clone soldier whose name is Sister and it is very – Explicit that that character is transgender, that that character is a clone who was raised with her brothers and came to realize that while all of them are male, that she herself is female and transitioned. Um, I Nothing about this character except for the fact that she's a sister to Omega and she's female lines up with that character. And particularly given that we're – even when the show is written, but especially now, we're in a really awful time in terms of – stereotypes and hate towards trans people like I, I i don't think i trust them that they're not going in that direction at all um yeah. but beyond that i have no idea i'm like i don't think there's been any reference to this character to there being a female clone that was made other than omega at any point right if there were i certainly haven't caught it and i like to think that i'm pretty educated in the ways of mm-hmm. clone wars at least right i will say that her 
her whole demeanor has seemed kind of off in some ways. And I know you were really angry at her. I, in some ways, thought she was being somewhat sympathetic to Crosshair, like kind of trying to help him, but but in a like, there's nothing we can do. We have to accept this kind of way. Mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe she's a new clone. Like maybe she is actually kind of like, they've decided let's try the newer batches, but somehow we figured out how to not just accelerate the, the, the growth, but like super duper quadruple accelerate it so that yeah, they get so she's her- younger than them all, you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe she's only like a year old or something like that. Mm. And that's maybe part of why she's so kind of obedient and like, let's just follow the rules. Yeah. Um, but that's just an off the wall theory. I got I got nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what to think of her. Um, I haven't put too much thought into her because I'm just like, um, the fact that you're a clone and you're doing this, you suck. Yeah. Like, you know, consciously that you're a clone and therefore you're still torturing and studying clones who have been promised like a safe retirement and are now being mm-hmm. like I said tortured and tested on like I don't know maybe they'll do a whole she's like deep undercover and eventually like comes yeah. to see what's right or whatever they do with her I don't know I don't have many thoughts or hopes for <laughs> it because I'm just mad at her right now and I don't really care yeah <laughs> no I think that's fair and I think and again I, I I think my theory is pretty off the wall, so it could well be wrong. But if she was a very new clone, then maybe she, like she if she didn't grow up in Kaminoa, you know, at, with all the rest of them, if she didn't yeah. grow up knowing all those things, then she might have a very different perspective because, because yeah, but also the whole like, you should trust me is also hard when it's like, yeah, I've been helping torture your friends and your brothers, you know, but you should trust me because I'm your sister. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Another way to look at it, she could be what Omega was supposed to be. Maybe she is older than Omega, and maybe they mm. were trying to train Omega up as this super lab tech clone because they had but already th- done I, it before or something like that. I thought about that, and you might be right, but then why would they be so – because they kept saying that they have to get Omega back because she's the last, like, perfect sample. True. True, true. Now, granted, sister uh, – right, tell me her name. It's with an E. Emery. Emery, thank you. Emery, if that's correct, if Emery is the same age as everyone else, then she did have the accelerated growth that the other clones did, that Omega did. So maybe that's why she's not the perfect sample. Um, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think that's a good point. If Emery were truly the same as the other clones, just with, is it two X chromosomes? Y chromosomes? I don't know. I, she I a girl. Of it. Um, yeah. I think like, all, all like life, at least humanoid life is originally female yes um yeah yeah, so yeah so if she truly is just like the other clones um they would still need omega because omega is like boba fett as in no accelerated growth as in no enhanced abilities truly just a duplicate of jango fett with like the chromosome didn't switch so she came out as a female Right. So I think that that's why they'd still be after her, even if Emery did exist long right. before her. Right, if Emery isn't that perfect version of the sample. Yeah. There's, of course, also the idea that – and this is a theory I don't love, but at least they've held off on it long enough that if they do it as a reveal in the third season, I wouldn't hate it as much. But the okay. idea that she's Force-sensitive and that specifically they want her because eventually the goal is to get a Force-sensitive clone so that Palpatine can be Force-sensitive. Yeah. True. Which I again, always forget about that overarching, like, Palpatine wants a Force-sensitive clone, but I'm like, I just don't 
First of all, I don't want that for Omega. Second of all, I don't yeah. see it in the cards for Omega currently, but that is also biased because I don't want that for her. Yeah. So. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Um, well, this was one heck of an episode. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of bonus content where we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the other show that uh, Star Wars is doing these days. Not the most recent episode, but I have a question about last week's episode uh, uh, um, for our prequel lover. Um yes. Uh, I make that sound like a dirty word. Like, there's nothing wrong with loving prequels. I'm glad that you do. You're shaming me. Uh, no, 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 no. I am. I have really come around on that. I'm still. I don't love them, but I'm glad other people do. Um, and I've worked so hard to take the derision out of my voice when I say that. I appreciate um, any that. of the last things you wanted to say before we wrap up on this non-Patreon? Portion? Absolutely, I do. Um, first of all, when I was, as I said, I was watching it at the gym, so I wasn't looking at first. And when Echo came back, I thought it was Rex. Mm, Just listening. And I feel like – I could be wrong, but I feel like his voice was closer to the way he sounded in the Clone Wars than how he sounded for a lot of the Bad Batch. Like it almost seemed like being back on these missions really like put a fire back in him, really like livened him up. And like it just felt like he was back to him old self a little more. His old yeah, he, self a little more. He doesn't sound as sort of like monotone and and kind of cold as he had for a while. I think it's yeah. very true. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to say when Saw sets off those bombs, we see like the room with all the high up Imperials kind of gets like bomb walls come down. Mm. And we have this good like probably like five, six sef- second pan just into Tarkin's face as he just like glares like yeah the scariest stare like what we needed from tarkin like he is pissed about this like i and it i wrote tarkin has his own panic room because it is yeah. one of those rooms that shuts down he is so angry and honestly i think i'm coming to a position of if you want to continue using characters where the actor has passed away i think animation is the way to go like, I thought the little bit of Tarkin in Rogue One worked. I thought the little bit of Leia worked. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I don't ever want to see – I don't want to ever see someone recast as either of those roles. And I also don't I want agree. more of the deep fakeness that we got. Like, I thought with Luke in Rogue in um, Mandalorian, it just barely passed the, yeah, the test. <laughs> uh, and Boba Fett, I think it didn't really work that well. But, yeah, but animation, it works really well, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was just a great little moment with Tarkin. Yeah. As well as, um, as you said, Krennic. We got to see Krennic and we got to hear reference to, to Stardust, which was awesome. Yes. And there were two other Imperial officers there. I didn't catch their names and I couldn't find it anywhere online, but they both mentioned working with the clones. And I did recognize one of them as a formal, former admiral from the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. But I don't know his name at all. So yeah. that's just Listeners a little in, let us Easter know. <laughs> egg or something. Yeah, let us know if you know who those people are. Um, I have four more notes here. Um, Take your time. Hunter committed a murder in this episode. Mm. He murdered Sid with his eyes. Yeah. When she takes – it's not when she turns them in. It's when she comes around the corner and accepts the payment. Mm -hmm. Like that glare – like I'm talking about – I was just talking about Tarkin's glare. But like Tarkin's glare was like I'm determined and upset. Hunter's glare was like – I'm killing you in my mind in every horrible way that I can think of. And the moment I'm free, I'm going to do it. Yeah. 
Like, that's um, what it was giving. <laughs> if you want noble heroes who will rescue their fallen, you know, their, the rescue their child and their brother, but not, you know, not stoop as low as their enemies to do to them, mm-hmm. that's not what we're going to see. We, we're going to see the Avengers uh, yeah. of the Bad Batch. And um, it's still nominally a kid's show, so I don't think we're going to see actual of torture course. too yeah. much. But I, I – I think we may well see Hunter just kill her, you know. Yeah. Or something like you like were that. saying, it's giving John Wick. Like Yeah. He's yeah. about to go berserk. Um A complaint. Why does Hemlock get all the commandos? Like I'm still pissed about this because commandos are so cool and they're worth so much to me in my heart and mm-hmm. they can do so much and I just have to hate them all because Hemlock gets all of them. Yeah. I don't know. That's a dumb complaint. There's no basis. It's just me. It's it's fair. It's fair. And, I, and I'm on a podcast, so you have to listen. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is the last time we get you for a while, so hit us with everything. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. What else? Um, oh, yeah. When Hemlock's – he has Hunter and Wrecker – Omega shoots at them. She's like, no. Oh, I was about to do the accent, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Can I do it? Yes. Will I? No. Um, but she was like, no, like, I won't let you take them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I don't need to take them. What about an exchange? Like, you for them. And Hunter, like, kind of, like, lunges for it. I think he's like, Omega, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um but then Hemlock, like, says something again, and we just see Hunter, like, he's just shaking his head, looking at her, like, trying to reach her, trying to get through to her, and just, no. Like, you yeah. need to go. Like, it's the most paternal thing, one of the most paternal things I've seen in the show. Like, I just, I loved that moment, um, as small as it is. It's so small, and just go even further on that. I think one of the most important things there is what they are saying is ba- – what Hunter is clearly trying to say is even if this is a fair deal, don't take it. Yeah. And she responds, I don't believe you, which I think I think is, is right. I don't – I think he'll just be like, cool, now that I have you, I'm going to kill these two anyway. Yeah. But I think to me one of the indications is that if somehow – if they, it, you know, they did like a, you know – Austrian bridge exchange or something like mm-hmm. that and she really believed that those two would get away safe for her she would do it and I think Hunter knows that and that's why Hunter's trying to be like she doesn't say doesn't trust him she's saying he's saying like run don't do this oh don't, yeah that's right that's don't sacrifice said. yourself for us yeah he didn't say yeah he just said told her to run before and then he just when she's talking about mm-hmm. the exchange just shook his head um some happy points from the episode, some little a little cherry for our um crap pie today of emotions. Mm-hmm. But I just loved that Echo gets a walker. Yeah. Like he was that like was really sweet. I am kicking down doors. Like I will come through for my team. He just rolls up with a walker and then shortly after, Wrecker with one punch just punches out a commando. Which I've talked about before, but like Commandos are supposed to be, like, higher genetically engineered. They're supposed to be bigger. They're supposed to be stronger. They're supposed to be faster. Mm-hmm. And Wrecker's still just, like, one punch. He's on the floor. Yeah. And I was just like, go, King, go. 
you know, for those who wanted just to see some great fight scenes, like we got those, you know, we got yes. the train chase scene. It, they're not my favorite, but they were pretty epic. And we got yeah. a couple of them. Yeah. I, yeah, the first time I watched through, I was like, wow, that's a lot of fighting. I don't think I'll have a lot of notes to take. And then I was almost late to our meeting because I was taking so many notes the second time I wrote mm-hmm. or I watched through. But yeah, that's all I have. Um, my heart is broken. I want to see Fee the next season, but I also don't want to at all because that's going to hurt my feelings even worse. Um, yeah. I could see something powerful in Fee and Omega bonding over their shared feelings of loss. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be really powerful. I think what I'm a little afraid of – well, actually, no, I shouldn't say that because like that first involves getting Omega back. And I think most of next season yeah. is probably just going to be getting Omega back. Getting her back. Um, Which we could see Fee as an ally in that. Yeah. Kind of the same way that the rest of the batch is turning their grief into something useful. Yeah. I think it's very Of her sad. being like, this happened to Tech. Like, I can't change that. I miss him so much, but, like, I was really trying to be there for Omega. Like, I was her role model, and I need to, like, help her Mm -hmm. get back. I don't know. 100%. 100%. Yeah. All right. That's all for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a place to wrap up. It was a a really intense episode. I think overall really good. There were some writing things that I I definitely had some problems with, and I'm kind of giving a little bit of a – Side eye, but I, I want to see how they resolve it going forward. So we, we will definitely see. And I, I, I can I understand why there's some people who loved every minute of this and some people who are even more upset about it than I am or who are yep. upset for different reasons. And I think I think that is a is a comment on the goodness of the goodness, the, the quality of the show overall that we're so invested in these characters that we have all these feelings about them. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh well for people who are gonna miss you and want to be able to keep up with all the great things you're doing uh, over the next couple of weeks and months till we get Ahsoka. Uh, we will probably also get you back for we're going to do at least a uh, Bad Batch wrap-up episode and a couple other things. But for folks who want to uh, stay up to date with Lady Tano, where should they go? Yeah, so I'm on TikTok um, and Instagram as Lady Tano Creates. Tano, T-A-N-O, as in Ahsoka. Um. No periods, no dashes, nothing. It's just one word, Lady Tano Creates. On Instagram, I post mostly, like, events I go to or, like, big updates about my costuming. On TikTok, I do pretty in-depth, not tutorials, but just recording of every step as I'm doing them. Mm -hmm. So I have, like, six three-minute videos about me just fighting with a sewing machine and trying desperately <laughs> to learn how to sew and redoing it and seam ripping and unseam ripping and then re-sewing and then seam ripping again. So it's a little bit of madness. I am not offended if people don't like to watch through those sewing videos, but mm-hmm. I just put it out there because some people think it's interesting. And I also do some like funny duets. Sometimes I get on there and I talk about Bad Batch and other stuff like that. Um, but yeah. Feel yeah. free to reach out, comment, DM me if you found me through the show. I actually, Matthew, I haven't sent you the article yet, but someone reached out to me, said he found me through the show, and that he, he had sh- shown the episode about Pabu to his friend, who then mm-hmm. ended up writing an article about it. 
Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and she gave us like a mini shout out in the article. Yes, I did. someone tagged me in that. It was you definitely awesome. That. I'm okay. so glad that people wrote about that. So yeah, that's that's amazing that we're getting uh, more reach like that. So yeah. um, just love to hear that. So yeah, definitely check out all the great things that Erin uh, is doing. Uh, I'm learning so much about cosplay. I was at a uh, Matt, uh, I was at a video game and and uh, stuff like that convention this last weekend, PAX East, saw a lot of great cosplay, and was able to look a little bit more of an eye. I'm like, oh, yeah, I see what you're doing here. Like, kind of see see some of the things that were happening. Um, saw one person in just, like, jeans and a t-shirt and a Mandalorian helmet. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> you still go on with yourself. I approve. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, so definitely check out all that. And, of course, uh, you know, if you want to find more of these podcasts or just give us feedback, go to theethicalpanda.com. Love to hear your thoughts. Find us on TikTok, on Twitter, on Facebook, on email. You, you can also find all of our coverage on Mandalorian, as well as Superhero Ethics, my other podcast where we've been doing coverage of The Last of Us. Uh, we are, I just recorded an episode on Shadow and Bone Season 2, which I have a lot of thoughts about. Uh, I recently watched um, – a friend of mine suggested that I watch Sever- uh, Severage. That's kind of the joke. Uh, S- Severance, which is kind of an interesting office-based sci-fi kind of thing. But when he said it, I thought he was talking about Succession. So I was all ready for like a Shonda Rhimes, you know, yeah. lots of office sexiness and backstabbing and then got this sci- – and was wondering why the sci-fi lover I know recommended it to me. It turned out it was this other thing, but it's amazing. It's Adam Isn't Scott. It with- yeah, okay, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, so good uh, and a really well-contained season. Like a big cliffhangers, but also like a very well-contained, like a lot of the things get answered. Yeah. Uh, definitely worth checking out. So yeah, follow all that on theethicalpanda.com and stick around if you're a Patreon. And if you're not, please consider joining. All the information's on our show notes. And until then, please know, we have spoken. Farewell for now. Farewell for now.